0: Lindsay Rowland. Today we have two very special guests, two of my favorites. Uh, we have Mr. Eric Montalavo. He is the uh, founder of the Federal Practice Group here in DC. He is also a former Marine JAG, uh, infantry guy originally, and does a lot of uh, work, has done a lot of work helping refugees get out of Afghanistan. Next, another, another favorite is Miss Annie Ella Simansky. Um, she's a fellow advocate in the D.C. community with me. She's also a reserve JAG officer in the Marine Corps, and she sits on several boards for advocacy um, here in D.C. and across the country. So welcome.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you, Lindsay. So here's how I
0: would like to play this today. Uh, so as everyone knows, we're here to talk about Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. We're also here to talk about Corporal Teu. So I think in doing that, we will compare and contrast maybe uh, the different cases as well as provide publicity for both cases. So without further ado, uh, Mr. Montalvo, would you like to start um, talking about Lieutenant Colonel Scheller?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, I've I've looked at the case. I'm obviously not personally involved in it. So I'm I'm speaking from uh, what, what I can gather. Uh, I'm aware of the charges that he's confronting, which include 88, 89, 90, 92, two counts, dereliction and failure, as well as the conduct of becoming. Um, I I find that the course of conduct by the military in recent years is very troubling, particularly as it relates to this case, because I, I feel like this is a political speech case where they're taking what should be whistleblower statements and converting them into some contorted political speech because the executive branch uh, doesn't want to hear it um, you know if we survey uh, you know the universe of statements that have been made on this topic and the facts here um, you know it's very troubling I mean, first of all you know there is there is a dereliction of duty and that's the the senior officials who coordinated this, this uh, uh, horrible and tragic operation in, in Kabul. Um, people's lives were directly put at risk because of this dereliction of duty. People died. The 13 service members died because of this dereliction of duty. And so for a Marine officer to make statements relating to the fact that people should be held accountable for those failures, uh, seems to be to be uh, completely appropriate. I mean, it may be uncomfortable. Uh, they may not like it, uh, but, but that's not criminal conduct. You know, if we, if we look at the, the, the details of what happened, um, you know, everything that occurred in Kabul was completely avoidable. We ceded Bagram Air Base and then created a scenario where we were required to undertake a, a fire drill to get people out it was a complete disaster uh, the state department was not coordinating uh, you know properly you had uh, you know information being sent out and disseminated which confused people cr- created a crush on the uh, airport um, it just a just a complete disaster and and, and ultimately people died as a result um you know, other nations were able to effectively remove people during that same period of time, including Britain, Germany, etc., Turkey, and yet the U.S. was unable to accomplish the same for reasons are, that are uh, unclear to me. So, you know, sitting here and looking at what happened, um, you know, why, why are the senior officials not being held accountable uh, we, look at that, we looked at that hearing uh, the other day, and it was a you know finger pointing exercise. But there's no accountability. Uh, we start looking at the court martials that are being conducted, you know, on a regular basis throughout the United States to criminalize the most minor of behavior, and yet we have people who have directly put you know persons' lives in jeopardy, and there's zero accountability. Uh, this this offends me deeply. You know, um, you know, there are still American citizens on the ground, for heaven's sakes, in Afghanistan that uh, the state department has, you know, not undertaken to, to uh, uh, help get removed. And instead is blaming um, these, uh, you know, charter flights uh, as, as the source and, 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 you know, problem or or friction, um, you know, that, uh, you know, they want to blame as opposed to accepting responsibility. So there is no acceptance of responsibility by this government for what happened. A Marine, is obligated to report an offense under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I believe that the actions that were taken during that period of time were unbecoming and and, and dereliction of duty and and failing to do the things that needed to be, be done to protect US citizens. We are the most powerful nation in the world and we ran out of Afghanistan with our tail between our legs. Uh, and that's w- w- without understanding why. I, there's there's zero reason why we could not have had a force and structure on the ground, uh, in the air, uh, securing that area until people were safely out and, and be done. And instead it, it turned into a mob. You know, people with the U.S. passports approached that gate and weren't able to get in. So, uh, you know, if, if they are concerned with the problem, maybe they should hold the people who were responsible for that debacle accountable, as opposed to criminalizing uh, the lieutenant colonel for the content of what he's saying. You know, and and ultimately, what he's saying is, if you take it, uh, you know, forward, is that there's a system here, and they are the ones that should be held accountable. And instead, the Marine Corps and the military at large just wants to shut people up and not have, you know, critics. Um, so this is not contempt. Uh, This is a fact. There's no Marine officer that would have been in charge of that that operation that shouldn't have been held held accountable if you were following unlawful orders to do stupid things and put people's lives in jeopardy. So, I mean, I I just have a real problem with with the case. Um, You know, maybe the lieutenant colonel, you know, could do things a little bit better or have chosen a different path. He didn't do that. But ultimately, you know, you compare him to, say, you know, this that uh, Bidman guy and the Trump, you know, you know, impeachment scenario or, or Miley, you know, and, and, and his comments. And, you know, so there are many people that um, are involved in this, these administrations, you know, both, you know, red and blue, this is apolitical for me, you know, speak out or undermine uh, the chain of command in, in some way. And, and, and you know, holding them accountable is, is almost you know, never the case because they're so senior, what have you. But if you get somebody junior in the military, you know, they're very good about creating a class of criminals, um, you know, and compared to their civilian counterparts, uh, you know, is this Lieutenant Colonel truly a felon? Is that what we're saying? Because he's saying that the Marine Corps should leave no one behind, that they shouldn't follow unlawful orders, that they should save babies and children and women. You know, I, you know, I don't know if if that's, if that's where we're at, then, uh, you know, we've got a tough row ahead here in the military and our national defense and the standards that we're setting.
0: No, I think that's a really good point. And there, you know, we definitely saw the week after or two weeks after we saw the trials uh, or the hearings that happened with them, Millie and Austin, and there was just a total lack of accountability. And like, you know, are we going to blame Biden? Are we not going to blame Biden? Well, we all know 14 soldiers died. So let's talk about that instead. Let's talk about their families. Let's talk about the rest of their lives that they're going to miss those soldiers. And so I don't want to get worked up. Annie Allah, would you like to? Um, would you
2: like to uh, make some comments on this? Sure. First, I should preface my comments with. Uh, the disclaimer that even though I am still a reservist in the Marine Corps none of my comments are in my official capacity and none of these comments should be taken as the position or comments of the Marine Corps this is purely my personal these are purely my personal views and opinions so I have I, I also do not represent Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, so I don't have any inside knowledge or information that's not public. I'm basing everything on what's been out in the media so far. And I think that there are, I think what you see in Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is a manifestation of what a lot of people are feeling and thinking. He just said it publicly. So I personally know that there is a lot of frustration inside and outside of the Marine Corps based on what's happened. And I don't think that that's a big secret. The Commandant of the Marine Corps and the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps even felt compelled to put out statements saying, your service matters, this is not a reflection on you, which all of that is true. It, it is not a reflection on individual Marines or whether their service mattered or not but it is but what you're seeing in lieutenant colonel Scheller is this bubbling up of feelings that have manifested from this circumstance so i think that it's a a symptom of what of what is going on in the world essentially
0: And then I wanted to also talk a little bit um, about Vidman because, you know, he was allowed to whistleblow and he was allowed to come forward and support a certain administration. And now Mr. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is not allowed to do that. So I think that there's a huge, one of the biggest, the biggest picture items here is why was that a lot? And he was a hero. And I'm pretty sure he went back to his old job. I mean, there wasn't any serious repercussions for him. So why is it that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller? I mean, we we know he's out of the brig right now, but why is he being charged if if uh, Vindman's a hero? So did someone want to take that one?
1: Sure. So um, you know, this is this is part of my initial comment, which is you know they're converting this you know for uh, political expediency, which is unfortunate. Let's compare the two issues. There was a phone call that occurred and Bidman clearly had, you know, a political agenda and um, pursued that uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, made uh, this report not in the proper chain of command, by the way, as you recall. And, um, and, you know, this is, you know, if we're talking about process and procedure, uh, he certainly did not do that. Um, you know, he ran to political ally and and use this uh, as a basis to to put forward an, an agenda. You know, Scheller here is, um, you know, maybe not as uh, savvy, but what he's talking about is 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 not an opinion. It's a fact, and the fact is is that this withdrawal from afghanistan how it was conducted is a complete and utter failure the 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 people who died there uh and who have died you know you know you know over the years in afghanistan we're all doing so because there's some mission right we get the mission we execute the mission you know what mission were we executing while we were on the ground we weren't we were scrambling this wasn't a mission; it was a disaster. There was there is zero forethought given to this. Uh, you know, clearly, if you look at the events on the ground, nobody had a good structure. Nobody knew what was going on. The embassy folded within uh, you know hours. It, it just it was it was mayhem. Okay, and so um, you know the Marines did the best that they could do, but they were not given the assets uh, that were required uh, to succeed. And that failure created the uh, opportunity for people to die. Uh, The lack of OPSEC that was being circulated by State Department by distributing these passes and and this misinformation, you know, directly led to people getting killed. You know, this was not done in accordance with a mission parameter. Had it been done so, first of all, there would have been at least an extension on this, you know, artificial deadline. Who who, who cared whether it was August 31st or, you know, September the 30th or, you know, January the 1st. The United States of America does not, one, I thought, negotiate with terrorists. And two, you know, does not, you know, bend to the will of a Taliban regime as to protecting its people and removing them in an orderly process. And so, you know, you know, this opinion in Vidman's uh, case, versus a fact in a consequence, which are people have died as a result of this failure, it's a different scenario for me. And the fact that someone is calling that out and trying to push a narrative for accountability, and then and then the response to that is not uh, you know uh, dealing with that, and instead of you know prosecuting criminally, felony criminal uh, case against the individual who's calling them out for this failure is, is quite dramatic. Um, and, and I, I, I would we really need to look at the military justice system, as I've said before, and, and as you referred to the Tay's case, to you, uh, you know, another miscarriage of justice. Um, you know, this is about, you know, uh, you know, testosterone and, and, and attitudes and not uh, taking a step back and understanding why this Lieutenant Colonel who had, what, 17 years of impeccable service, from my understanding, Correct. decided to open his mouth. Why not take care of that Marine? Why not pull him aside and say, you know what, you're right, we can do better. Instead, the, the first instinct is to prosecute him for felony crimes. I mean, the, the, this, this, is, this is a really tough situation, uh, you know, moving forward for military members. I mean, if, if you want to join the military... And you look at what's happening here, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to think twice, uh, because if you open your mouth the wrong way and somebody doesn't like it, all of a sudden you're going to become a felon, a felon. Think about the consequences of being a felon in U.S. society. Oh, it's uh, lifelong, long. Life
0: absolutely, long. absolutely. And I also think it's important to note here, too, that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller had a significant amount of soldiers. You know, he had a couple thousand underneath him. So the fact that those soldiers saw their leader get removed because he spoke up for them, I mean, I just, I don't, you know, I don't have access to those soldiers, but I just wonder what they think, because I'm going to, I'm going to bet that they miss him and I'm going to bet that they support him. Um, But I do, I do want to segue a little bit. Um, I think this is a great time to segue. Um, Aniela, I was wondering if you could start out a little bit and give us our listeners a little bit of. The in-depth detail about, uh, the Corporal Teu case. And then we can, and then of course, Eric, because you were her lawyer, we can uh, discuss some of the discrepancies between the two cases.
2: So again, I, I was not uh Corporal Taeu's lawyer. So everything I know is based on what I've, um, read and heard. So what I, from what I understand, um, Corporal U was, uh, Admitted she was, she entered the Marine Corps with a history of some mental health problems and received a waiver. Um, Then later on in her military career, she was the victim of a sexual assault. And then her mental health seemed to, her mental health problems seemed to exacerbate. Then she had some what the what her command alleged were some disciplinary problems um, that sounded to me like they might have been red flags for her mental health problems. Like she was, I, I believe one of the situations that she received administrative discipline for was raising her voice in the office or some something within, you know, the course of her duties that she wasn't, she didn't seem like she was handling properly. And instead of getting mental health treatment, she got disciplined. And then things seemed to spiral out of control from there. She seemed to have a very difficult relationship with her boyfriend, who was also a Marine. They had an argument that escalated. Uh, she chased him into a bedroom with a knife. It didn't sound like she had ever, she ever made contact with him. Uh, he called the police, said she needed, from what I could tell, he told the police, the local police, that she needed mental health care. But instead of getting that mental health care, she essentially got court-martialed for the behavior and then was placed in the brig for an extended period of time until she plea bargained her case so she could get out, which I think under the circumstances lots of people would do, especially if they already have a mental health problem. So to sum it up, it seems like this was a young Marine who had mental health challenges that were not treated, that were not identified, and it ended with her being labeled a criminal instead of a instead of someone who needed care and compassion and treatment.
0: And well Anyelle, I just want to ask you this part. So the similarities with Lieutenant Colonel Scheller are that could potentially be the same outcome. Would you say that's accurate?
2: I don't I from what I've seen from Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's videos, he is pretty adamant that he does not have a mental health problem and that he does not suffer from PTSD. Wait, I, wait, his...
0: I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to clarify because I want to make sure I'm very clear with my words and I wasn't clear enough. I don't mean the mental health issue. I mean okay. the uh, legal, the legal end state.
2: Hmm. Yeah, well, I think the mental health issue is going to be the differentiating factor between Uh, Tayu's case and Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's case. So if he, and I think that the Marine Corps looked at that, the mental health issue from the latest task and purpose article about this that uh, claimed that there were leaked documents proving that the Marine Corps was concerned about his mental health. So I think that that's going to be a differentiating factor in these cases, because the Marine Corps is going to basically say, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You're making these public statements. What else can we do, essentially? I think that's fair. Eric, did you want to jump in?
1: Yeah. um, Only because I sort of chopped the path on this, on the case, I, I need to sort of clarify a few things. First of all, uh, she had mental health issues coming in the Marine Corps because she had been sexually assaulted prior to coming in. Um, and the Marine Corps was on notice of that. She was taking medication. They told her to come off that medication for a year uh, so that she can enlist. So uh, this is your you know, recruiter story. Then uh, prior to the incident, uh, the Marine Corps was well on notice that she had these issues and uh, she was actually uh, going through the board process and had been raided Um, you know, 90%, uh, including 70% for for sex assault consequences, uh, you know, at that time. And she had requested uh, assistance from the Wounded Warrior uh, Battalion to be assigned there, and they refused. Uh, So they were on full notice that she was uh, deteriorating. Uh, She had issues and um, almost 100% uh, disabled rating. And uh, instead... Uh, they uh, continue to put her into uh, a scenario which uh, could potentially, you know, uh, deteriorate or, or trigger her. Uh, so, you know, that, that's the scenario that we find ourselves in. And, and the incident that she was administratively, you know, held accountable for was uh, leadership. A scenario where she, the, the uh, Lance corporals and corporals were not acting uh, as NCOs and, 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 and as Marines, and uh, she said, you know what, let's go to the, the chow hall uh, without our rank and let's be privates, because if you guys want to act like privates, well, let's, let's walk through the chow hall and be privates for a minute and understand what it's like to, you know, have the, the privilege of, of being an NCO and a senior Marine and, and, and leadership and, and understand, you know, how that might feel for a moment. So, you know, maybe uh, not the uh, best executed uh, if, if that is considered to be hazing, which, you know, I mean, if that's what's a crime, you know, uh, you know, old Marines are turning over in their graves for sure. But, uh, you know, uh, that, that's what she was held accountable <laughs> for. So, uh, you know, th- so this 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 idea that the, the Marine Corps doesn't care about mental health, that's clear. Okay. The, 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 the similarity is that they're, they're targeting, they're going after someone and they're going to get where they want to be. Uh, And uh, you know, this guy is going to probably uh, either get a conviction or or plead out and have to be uh, committed to with show cause determination, uh, which is likely to give him an other than honorable discharge or, or a a dismissal in a a court martial. Uh, And, you know, this is something we have to take a look at and, and say, is this process fair? Is this process intended to do the thing that it, it was intended to do? And and it's my position that it's not. And it's failing for both both of these Marines because both of them, you know, there, there was some notice that there was an issue and leadership could have taken them aside and managed it. And they, they instead of doing that, uh, they moved directly into, you know, prosecution mode again. So... Well, Miela, please.
0: did you want to comment on
2: that? Well, thanks for providing that clarification on Corporal Tayu's case, Eric. That's valuable context. The what I am concerned about in Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's case is that he put out multiple videos. So if he says, for instance, oh, you could have pulled me aside and corrected my behavior. After the first video, when he was given what sounded like an order to not produce more videos, and then he did it anyways, um, I think he loses some of that argument there because he had the chance to stop, he was ordered to stop, and then he didn't stop. So perhaps if uh, there... I don't know what happened prior to the order, or this will likely come out in the proceedings of what exactly Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's leadership did or didn't do in the process. But I think that's going to be a troubling fact for him.
0: So, I mean, just to kind of clarify a little bit, I guess this would be my, my personal thoughts on it. So I think that, he, yeah, because he ran those videos, they were like, there's obviously You know he refuses to follow orders or his gag order or however you want to say his freedom of his First Amendment right and then the rapid repetitiveness of the videos. But I also, um, I also don't know if that was a mix of just like high emotion and so I think also like like and dislike the Corporal Teju case that. When there's a mental, when there could potentially be a mental health issue, the, the real message of what they're saying and doing gets lost. Eric, did you want to comment on that?
1: Sure. Tay, Tay's case and, and Shuler's case are, are different in this, in this way. Uh, Tay will suffer from mental health consequences for the rest of her life. She is going to struggle as a human being to live in this world. Uh, and that's not her fault. Uh, she was uh, sexual assaulted, not only before she joined the military, but by a, a fellow member of the military, and, which was completely disregarded. And uh, she was then became, became the, the focus of the Marine Corps' R, and, um, you know, and the, this further exacerbated and, and, and facilitated her deterioration into uh, what happened. So, I mean, there's a pretty clear path of what, what occurred in Tay's case as it relates to the lieutenant colonel um, you know is it the video uh, that's the problem or is it what's what's contained in the video right so uh, you know don't don't put out a video well if he put out a video for say you know i love the marine corps and everything's okay you know he's not getting prosecuted right if it's you know hey i want to put out 20 videos about my grandma's birthday no, nobody's having a problem. It's the content of the video that's the issue. And so you have to look at the criminality of what's in that video and determine whether it's contemptuous. You know, and is, it, is it contemptuous to, uh, to say that people should be held accountable for failing? I don't, I, I mean, that'll be litigated, I'm sure. I don't think it is. I, I just do, I, I, I find it very hard to believe that saying that someone should be held accountable for failing in their duties, uh, you know, to to execute them in, in a certain way, uh, you know, is, is somehow uh, contemptuous. So, um, you know, it may be uncomfortable, uh, but sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. And so I, I just I just don't know. I know, I know that, you know, he, he took it upon himself to continue to talk when he was told to shut up. I don't know if that's a lawful order either. Uh, so, you know, we, we've got to go through those exercises to see, you know, when and how we're going to tell people that they can't talk because the, the standards are not the same, right? You go back to the Bidman standard, you know, is he a whistleblower? You know, is, is the Lieutenant Colonel whistleblower? You know, is, you know are, are these other people that, you know, undermine the chain of command that have come out in, in all sorts of political circles? Are they, are they whistleblowers? Or are, they, are they contemptuous and, and felons? So when we're regulating speech, we have to go back to the First Amendment. We have to think long and hard about the consequences of people, people's opinion, you know, driving the outcome and creating you and 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 and, and creating a, a a criminal statute, right? A criminal statute, a felony statute. Okay, think, that that's what's important. You're a felon if you kill someone. And you're a felon if you say someone should be held accountable for doing bad things. Those are those. That's hard to reconcile. And so, whether he should be, you know, administratively dealt with is one issue, but criminally, as a felon, is a whole nother level. And, and so that's where I'm having a lot of heartburn. You know, whether they give him, a, you know, page 11 or NJP or you know, you know, separate him and say he's no longer supposed to be in the service. You know, that that that's one path, and you know, you're getting fired. You know, but if you want to make him a, a felon because of this, that, that's where you really have to start thinking in America, are we in communism world or are we in democracy world? And so that that's where we really have to take a look at this. I,
0: I do want to ask you this question, though, because you're of, because you're you were so involved in um, the intimate details with Corporal Tehu's case. Um, do the do the charges match each other like the articles, the 89, 88, 133? Did, did they use the same ones with Corporal teu just because it's like the catch-all or were they different?
1: Um, you know, they, they're, they're, hmm. an article may be similar, right? Disrespect or disobey a lawful order, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, but the facts in each case are are different, right? And so, the, the big one for the, the colonel that he's going to have to deal with is the, the 133, which is the conduct unbecoming, becoming, because this is the catch-all, right? Enlisted aren't, don't have that charge, right? And so, you know, he's going to have to say as an officer, you know, regardless of whether the law, order was lawful, regardless of this, regardless of that, I should have been behaved myself as an officer and shut my mouth, right? So that's going to be the ultimate argument, whether an officer is just supposed to shut their mouth and deal with this behind closed doors, or they're allowed to say something in public. You know, that's where we're coming to on this case. Uh, The failures and, you know, to obey an order, if there's an order and it's considered to be lawful, it could be a general order, it could be a specific order. So you could have an order that says, you know, you will not videotape, you know, dead bodies in a war zone. Can't do that. Boom. That's a general order. Everybody it applies to. The specific order is, I don't, you don't need to show
2: you
1: know, here or there or whatever, right. And, uh, you know, and then if you disobey that particular order, uh, then you can be held accountable. So, you know, as uh, was said, you know, when they look at uh, whether or not those videos and, you know, them telling him to stop doing the videos, uh, you know, we'll have to look at whether that was, con- that should be construed as a, as a law order. Now, I will tell you that you do not want to be the person testing that standard, because if you... You should follow the order, whether you believe it to be unlawful or not, and then report that. Right? Uh, you know. So unless you're putting somebody's life at risk or you know those sorts of extreme circumstances, you know, you follow the order, and then if there's a problem, you request mass. Or there there are ways to contend with that. Is not for you know individuals in the military to decide what orders when and where they can, you know, follow because then we'll have mayhem. So there is some you know, you know reason. For that, uh, I guess the question in this particular case is whether you know s- telling someone not to talk, you know, is one of those instances where this will apply, and we'll have to see how that plays out.
0: Well, so we know that Corporal um, Teu received a BCD. Do you think that there is a good chance that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller will receive a BCD?
1: So, uh, in the military justice, officers. Uh, cannot so, Tay ultimately pled at a, uh, a special court martial, which is a misdemeanor venue. Um, he he officers are almost only charged in court martials in courts martial as uh, as felons. So general court martial. So they have to go through Article Thirty Two process and then go to a general court martial, which is a felony level court. Um, you know the only eligible dismissal uh, discharge for an officer is dismissal at a court martial. So it's the equivalent of a dishonorable, right? So, uh, so officers get dismissed at courts martial, which sounds a lot better than a bad conduct discharge, uh, but it's much more severe. Um, and then uh, if he were to be separated through an administrative process, they call it a board, a show cause board, to show cause why you should re- be uh, able to continue serving in the military. It's sort of like a firing process, which is, uh, doesn't have rules of evidence you can get an other than honorable discharge, right? So the two discharges he may be facing are one through a court martial conviction and then dismissal or through a administrative process, which would result in either an honorable general honorable or other than honorable, if that's the path that they take.
0: Now, just for our listeners who are listening, I want you to like listen to what Mr. Montalavo said there again, because that's a very important detail. It's very confusing, so, uh, Eric, I'm trying to make sure civilians understand this case as well. So that's an important detail there, the difference between officer and enlisted and how it plays out, because people are asking these questions right now. So so make sure you guys take a listen uh, to that piece there. Um, Aniela, did you want to jump in here?
2: Sure. On the procedural aspect of being court-martialed for your the content of your speech, one thing that I think is going to be... Uh, interesting to find out through this process is why it is at a court martial so i recall that there were that there was information in the media i believe it was lieutenant colonel Scheller himself who said that he had submitted his resignation request that he'd requested to resign his commission from the marine corps and when that happens the marine corps can either accept or not accept your resignation. So I'm interested what happened there. Did he request to resign and then the Marine Corps refused to accept his resignation? And then what happened next? Um, did the Marine Corps say, we would like to give you a non judicial punishment? Because if the Marine Corps offers non judicial punishment to a Marine, The Marine has the right to refuse it and to request trial by court-martial in lieu of non-judicial punishment. So I'm interested in whether the Marine Corps offered Lieutenant Colonel Scheller non-judicial punishment and whether he refused it and demanded a trial by court-martial. Because in that case, is it really the Marine Corps who is saying, we're going to make you a felon for your speech, or is it Lieutenant Colonel Scheller saying, no, you're going to try me publicly, and I'm going to make sure that everybody knows it. So where the blame lies can depend on what, what procedurally happened there.
0: And I think it was probably the last that you said. Um, that's pretty much the information that I have. Um, but Eric, did you want to jump in there on that? Because I just think this conversation sure. is just very interesting for, for our, all of our listeners to hear.
1: Okay, so let's go to that. Enlisted serve uh, pursuant to contracts. It could be a two-year, three-year, four-year contract, six-year contract. So they start a contract, they end a the contract, they re-enlist. They get, a dishonor, uh, they get an honorable certificate of uh, discharge, and then they re-enlist and continue their next contract. Officers serve at the pleasure of the president. So uh, once he tenders his resignation, uh, that there's a process, and it, it takes a little while for that to uh, work its way through. I suspect he did submit that and it, it was pending, uh, but that he engaged in further communications. And at some point the Marine Corps said, you know what, uh, we're gonna put him on legal hold, they call it a flag. They're gonna flag him, uh, put him on, on, on legal hold and uh, you know do a report of misconduct and uh, determine whether or not we're going to charge him. Uh, so the Marine Corps could have uh, discharged him and just said, listen, you know, go. Uh, we're we're going to go ahead and, and, and uh, accept your resignation and, and go. And that, that was already in their hands, um, you know, and they could have done that, in, in, you know, throughout this process, right? Um, you know, so there's nothing holding the Marine Corps from just discharging this uh, Marine uh, and, and letting him go. Um, so we don't know the details behind the scenes. Uh, we don't know what was offered to him in the non judicial punishment, uh, you know, uh, so we, do, we don't know what, what the discussion was or the deal was, because sometimes, you know, you don't want to accept uh, being guilty for things that you're not guilty of. And sometimes the prosecution will force up, they call it plea to the sheet and say that you're guilty of all of these things. And unless you accept that, uh, you know, we're not going to, you know, you're going to have to, you know, take it to a court-martial. So uh, this isn't just a simple, you know, I want to take it to trial. It's, you know, maybe, you know, some people have principle and they don't want to say they, they're guilty of something that they, you know, aren't guilty of. So, I mean, you know, that's the right, right? Like that we've completely inverted this. You know, it, you have the right to a process and just because you elect to exercise your rights to that process, the right to counsel, the right to due process, you know, that is not indicative of you being guilty or wrong or, or, or trying to stir up things it this is his constitutional right and so you know you know, if he's decided, you know right yeah so if he's decided to to have a, a place where the rules apply and not a kangaroo court or administrative you know process that nobody else can hear his version um, you know yes that's a choice but it's his constitutional choice and he may not in his view have been given a choice otherwise so I, I don't view that as a negative. Uh, necessarily or faulting him for wanting to have his day in court and there may be a consequence it may not go his way and that's a choice that he made but at least it's his constitutional choice and he shouldn't be uh looked at uh, unfavorably because he made that
0: well in my understanding of the case and i think we all know what my relationship is to the case here so there's no sense in hiding it um i think that the main point here is that he he wants an honorable so I think that that's the, goal, the end state goal here. But I do want to move on to, because there's a lot of people questioning what, so Thursday is his court day. It's public knowledge. The Marine Corps actually put it out for us. So thank you, Simplify. Um, so I, I first want to talk about, um, and Eric, this is an interesting one. I don't know if you're tracking because you weren't in country, but so the Marine Corps came out against him with all his charges, yet Mr. Scheller has a gag order. So how is that fair that the Marine Corps is allowed to, to basically defamation of character him? Um, but 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 Mr. Scheller has to stay silent. So I want to address that. And I would also like to address what we think um what we think court martial proceedings or uh will look like on Thursday, like uh just how they how they work and and if we could try to explain it a little bit in civilian terms so that people understand um what we're talking about.
1: Okay, so uh, as a rule number one, uh, proceedings in courts are almost always supposed to be public. Uh, and that you know goes all the way back um, in time uh, to the idea that one way that we ensure that justice is truly occurring is transparency, the ability for somebody to sit and observe uh, the proceedings uh, to to evaluate you know whether things are being conducted in a fair way, uh, and so uh, a gag order in this case, I have to say may be in the colonel's best interest because the more he says, the more charges he could accrue, and so they probably agreed to that uh, to contain uh, the situation for their client. So I you know I don't know that that's necessarily um, you know uh, I, I, if if I were his counsel. Okay.
0: I just want to ask you, though, but wouldn't he have gotten the gag order anyways? Like, wasn't that wasn't that ultimately going to happen regardless of?
1: of... Not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. But because the thing is, what he's talking about is, is not the 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 court martial process. He's talking about whether or not these people, you know, failed to do their job. So the gag order that we confronted in the taste in, in Kupalu's case was related to, you know, the the government you know, talking about the facts that were coming out in the case in a public way and then telling us that we couldn't respond to that. that That's a different scenario, right? Here, what's happening okay. is, you know, they're probably saying to this guy, shut up, right, be quiet for right now while we sort through where this goes. And I don't know if, if is that, what's happening on Thursday, is it arraignment or is it Article 32 or, you know, you guys know?
0: We're a little but- bit, well- It's been a mixed message between the Marine Corps putting out a message and what we're getting from the inside. So I would say it's a little bit unclear right now.
1: So he may be pleading. I don't know if they, you know, they may have pled to a no confinement uh, deal if they let him out of the brig. You know, I saw, I think it was some uh, reporter said, well, he, he pled he agreed to plead and that's why they let him out of the break. That that's not accurate, right? Well, just, I
0: would say it's partially accurate, but also accurate with the fact that you said that there's a deal. So I would say there's like a like a little bit right, of accuracy right. in both of those
1: statements. Well, right. So the issue is if, if they let him because there's no mechanism to, you know, I'm gonna plead guilty, so let me out of jail, because if you're gonna go into jail again, they're not gonna let you out of jail, right? So if you're an accused rapist you do a deal, they don't just let you out of jail. They, you know, you're going to stay in there and you're going to get what they call good credit time towards your ultimate sentence. Right. So whatever has been put together, it would seem to be that he's there's no intention on him staying in confinement uh, and that uh, whatever's going to be resolved will be resolved through the plea.
0: I do not. um, I do not expect him to do another day in the brick. That is what my, my, I expect to happen.
1: Um Annie Ellen. Ad- oh, break. go ahead, Eric. Well, let, let me finish. So that's probably in a couple that's probably tied to this gag order, right? So it's so this is not a court martial issue. This is a shut up and we'll let you walk and you can get your punishment and go home.
0: Okay, but Eric, let me ask you this. I agree with you, but the, so why is the Marine Corps making him look like they're there's putting out articles, right? That he's gonna that he could go to the brig for years. So like Why would the Marine Corps, the Pentagon reporters, why would they put that out to the American public to help smear him when we're looking for support right now for Mr. Scheller? Like, what would be the reason behind that?
1: Deterrence, right? They want anybody else that thinks about opening their mouth to shut it.
0: I I agree completely. Yep. other did you want to jump in here?
2: I wanted to make a comment about his um, charges relating to contempt towards officials. So I think if there had been a minor variation in in how Lieutenant Colonel Scheller expressed his feelings, that he could have avoided a contempt charge, or at least it would have been very difficult for the government to prove. And that is that he characterized the leadership as having failed. I think that element is going to be um, difficult to prove that it wasn't contemptuous. So accountability, I don't think that that saying that leadership should be accountable could be considered contemptuous because that's a leadership principle, in fact, even in the Marine Corps. But publicly saying that your leadership failed, I think is going to be the harder part for him to get around and the um, the other part of that is, as just personally, I've been struggling to understand what he means by accountability. Does he mean that someone should call Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and say, "You're right, I failed. I'm sorry, and admit to?" something being a failure and then would lieutenant colonel Scheller feel satisfied that leadership was held accountable does he mean that senior leaders should resign in shame for what occurred uh, or does he mean that you know someone in congress should should say this is the person who's to blame but it's a, it's a very difficult thing for me to wrap my head around that there needs to be that that he's calling for accountability. It is a very nice buzzword and it is a well-established leadership principle, but I don't know what he means. Like, what do you mean by people should be held accountable and how do you know that that isn't happening? How do you, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller know that someone some general officer in the Pentagon is not being you know his life is not being threatened that <laughs> with uh his career is not being threatened for what happened. You don't know when you're in that position. I mean, I'm a Lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps. I don't know what's happening at those levels, and I know, and I also know that uh it's very difficult to make those decisions at that level, so the thing is this is one of the this is one of the ongoing things that as a member of the military you have to deal with and that is people telling you what the military and what the government should do. So when people find out that I'm a marine it's very common for them to say, "Oh, you know what the government ought to do is blah 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 blah." Or, you know, how we could have won the war in Afghanistan is by blah, 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 blah. And these are people who have no military knowledge, have never been in the military, have no foreign policy experience, but all of a sudden they know what should happen. And that's a really frustrating experience for me as a Marine because I've been there. I've been in Afghanistan I know how complicated that situation is. And the number one rule in planning in the military is that the enemy gets a vote. Whatever you think the most brilliant plan in the universe would be to win this war may not happen the way it plays out in your mind. Because the enemy is a free-thinking person who will change on a dime. And they'll identify what you're doing and change their tactic change their strategy, relocate. And then your brilliant plan is out the window. So whenever somebody tells me, Oh, I got it all figured out. This is what you should have been doing and you didn't do it. So you failed. How, how can you say that without knowing absolutely every single fact and to do that, you would have to be omniscient. So I think characterizing something as a failure is a problem for Lieutenant Colonel Scheller because he know, he's a lieutenant colonel. He knows how complicated these things are. He's been there. He knows how dynamic the situation is. So how can you say option A was the successful option and option B was the failure option and you went down the failure option and you disregarded the successful option? It is not that linear.
0: Anyhow, I think that was really well said. So thank you. Eric, did you want to jump in there on that?
1: I, I do. I have three points. One, uh, the colonel's uh, intent is for an investigation to be conducted and if charges are appropriate to, to have those charges brought forward and people held accountable for their dereliction of duty. So that's what he meant. Uh, two, um, you know, the senior people, uh, as, as was, you know, alluded to, you don't know what's going on because they get away with murder, right? There are a lot of senior officials in the government that do these things and are never held accountable. And we can go back through a thousand examples of this from I'm gonna hit know, up Eddie, Eddie
0: Walker again. I'm just yeah, gonna I mean, to say there's it just
1: Eddie. like like it's such a long list. Uh, you know that so you know this idea I'm sorry, Eddie
0: Gallagher, not, you not you know, Walker. You
1: know, yeah yeah, yeah the, that the senior people get to get away with murder behind the closed doors and the, and the junior people get to be prosecuted and made felons is not is not right for me. I, I, do, I don't agree with that. The, you know the, the other thing is that there, there is a clear failure. People died. I think, it's my opinion, okay, based on me being in Afghanistan for the last 10 years and been over there 20, 30 times at at a minimum, you know, walking that ground in Bagram, walking Kabul International, you know, going to that U.S. Embassy, Camp Eggers, you know, etc., etc., that we were in control of Bagram. Control of Bagram, an airfield, okay? We could have, if we wanted to, bring people to that air base and got them out while we were in control of that airfield, then no one would have died. Okay. So yes, the enemy has a vote. Okay. But we were there in force and we could have squashed that vote. Okay. They wouldn't have had a vote because we would have been able to remove people in an orderly fashion. And a lot of them, okay. Allied. Okay. What's happening right now. People are going house to house and going after these people and killing them. Okay. So that's what we have right now. We had control over the ground. We seated control over that ground. Basic military. We had the hill. We had an airfield with aircraft. Defensive measures. Intelligence on the ground. Everything. Everything we needed to move people into that complex and get them out safely. And we didn't do that. So I think that does need to be investigated. And I do think it's a failure. And and I agree that you know everybody's you know armchair sure quarterback or what have you. But you know, if if we look at this in its entirety. I don't think anybody thinks that this was a fantastic operation that somebody did or some whatever. Because if we don't investigate and we don't hold people accountable for failures or missteps, then we can't learn. If we don't learn, we're doomed to make the mistake all over again. So we, we you know, th- this—if if, if we can't handle that, you know, then we're, we're, we're doomed to, to not uh, do better uh, moving forward. So I, I do think that. In line with the colonel's request it should be investigated at a high level. And, and, and if somebody didn't do something right, then they're held accountable. If not, then, uh, you know, then they get to walk away.
0: Eric, that was also well said. This is why I love the both of you. Um, but I just want to say something. I, this, these are my words. I think that the three of us here on this podcast, because we're all three combat veterans, we've all had numerous deployments. I think we can all three agree, and I'm going to speak for all three of us, that this is about those 13 soldiers. This is about the fact that we did decide to serve, but we expect our leadership to actually look out for us with the least amount of damage possible. And that did not happen. So when people say, well, you're a soldier, you're supposed to die. No, that's not true. We believe in our leadership, that our leadership will make the right decisions because under Trump, nobody died. There was nobody that died in 18 months. So let's talk about logistics and let's talk about tactics, Biden. And I'm, and I'm not speaking for these two because they have their own careers, but I can say this, Biden, you better be listening to this because this is exactly what we should have heard at the hearings the other day. And this is exactly the accountability piece. And this is exactly what Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is talking about. But I want to take it down a second. Didn't you two serve together in Afghanistan?
2: No, we didn't serve together in Afghanistan. I was in Afghanistan as a civil affairs officer in 2011.
0: Okay, I was trying to figure out what the connection is, because I knew you guys had an Afghanistan, uh, but I, know you, I knew you were both legal JAG, so I wasn't sure exactly what the connection was there. So thank you for clarifying that.
2: Sure, no problem. I think that when we're talking about how, about, about those lives lost in Kabul, I think that it's also important to understand that if other decisions were made, how do we not know more lives wouldn't have been lost? So for instance, if we stayed in Bagram and we kept that airfield, how do we know Bagram wasn't going to be under attack every single day with lives being lost, you know, repeatedly, over the next few months in Bagram we don't know and that's that's a really that's a really sticky issue I agree that lives should not be lost needlessly and perhaps this was the the least bad option
0: which sounds absolutely horrible but I know exactly what you're talking about um, Eric, I wanted to ask you this, um, because I, you know, I'm being very intentional with my words, but yet I'm very emotional. So because I said our number one thing here was those 13 soldiers. I also want to say that our, our, our other number one thing here was Afghanistan citizens. So I, if you could say something to, and I know that you, you know, want to be careful what we're going to say here, but if you could say something to Afghanistan citizens right now, just to give them a little hope, what would you say?
1: I'm sorry that um, our country is failing you right now, Uh, but there are a lot of people that are trying to correct the situation. Um, And even though these people, including veterans groups and um, civilians and and donors are being vilified uh, for trying to solve a problem, uh, you know, that was created by the government. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're not giving up and, uh, you know, hold on. Um, and you know, I, I'm just, I, I pray for you guys. Um, and, uh, we value your contribution to our fight and, um, you know, we're going to do the best we can, uh, to get you out. Um, you know, it's this is um, just uh, unexplainable to me uh, that uh, we have people on the ground. We have resources to get them out of there, and uh, you know, the State Department is not facilitating that. They're they're an antagonist, uh, and it's you know this this false narrative that um, people are not being. Screen properly and, and coming into the United States. Well, you know, who's doing that screening that's the state department, uh, because the state department screens everybody before they come to the United States. They don't just yeah. get on a plane and, and come over. So, you know, th- this, this is a lot of misinformation. It's a lot of coverup. Uh, it, it's, it's beyond troubling. Uh, all these people are, are, you know, that what I'm talking about are well-documented, uh, cases, uh, both in immigration and otherwise, um, intelligence assets uh green card holders uh you know it it, it runs the gamut and um you know and you know i had a a pregnant woman she we got her out she she had the baby a day and a half after she landed you know that child probably would not have made it nor nor the mother had we not got out in the nick of time and that's in spite of the state department okay and so um that's not fair. If you had a son and a daughter, a brother or a mother, uh, you know, running for their lives, okay, living like dogs, uh, you know, hiding under, you know, you know rocks, uh, trying to just live one more day, uh, and most of them are, are kids and, and women, a lot of women, we made a promise to those women that they would have equality over there, that we would support them in, in their voice. That they wouldn't be you know suppressed the way they were under the Taliban, that you know, that they should you know participate in politics and justice moves and and hold people accountable, all of these things. And then when it came time, we just left. We left them there. And and okay, whether it was a tackle this or that or whatever, but now what? What are we doing? We're not going back in to help them when we can, we're not allowing the ability for people to get them out to do that if they don't want to do it. I, I just, I don't understand. And it's beyond frustrating me. I have to say, and uh, you know, they may not like me for it. And I, you know, I, I don't
0: Eric, know. we love you. So it doesn't matter, but I do want to say this though. I, I will say this, that uh, there was a, um, I mean, obviously I'm watching from DC, so I'm not there on the ground, but there was this haunting picture that I saw. It was um, uh, the, the, Tehran, you or not, sorry, not Tehran, I'm not in Iran anymore. Um, it was of uh, the, um, of the university in, I think, Kuala. And it basically had a bunch of, it had a bunch of women and they were sitting in the seats, but they had been there for classes prior, but now they were there in support of a Taliban rally. So they were dressed in their dark, their dark garb. And it was like haunting to me because you have to wonder What was behind that garb? Were those the same women that like maybe a month ago were taking classes there? And what did that feel like? What did that feel like to sit there and be forced to now support a Taliban rally? Like, I can't even imagine the tears that must've been going on behind that hidden face. Um, But that was my haunting moment. And I sat down and cried, I'll be honest. I was just like, how dare we do this to these people? But on another note, And Aniela, what would you say to the women of Afghanistan if you could address them?
2: I would say take the 20 years that we have spent there to teach you these things, to enable you to make you aware of how to stand up for yourself and do it. I know that that is something that is very hard to do under the Taliban. But don't legitimize them. We're looking at a we're looking at a circumstance now on the national stage where the Taliban was not allowed to attend the UN General Assembly. Um, a vast majority of of nation states are not recognizing Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan, and that's how it should remain in my opinion that the the less we enable them the Taliban and the less legitimacy we give them the the better it is for women for young people to change the future of Afghanistan this is i when i was there that was part of my job is to teach them how to run a government teach them how to uh how how to run a legal system how to do things that they didn't have the freedom to do under the Taliban and i am like every other service member and probably every other american very sad to see the Taliban in control there uh, it's it's personally devastating because i know people there I have personal connections with people there, people who were my linguists, people who worked in the clinics that we were funding. These are people who I know are good-hearted individuals that want a better future for Afghanistan and believe that that is possible. And I want them to know we're on their side. We're still on your side, and we want you to succeed. So please do everything you can on your end to make sure that that happens.
0: That was well said, and I just want to clarify my statements on Tehran and Iran because I was able to go to Iran for a people to people mission, so I actually was there, and that this issue is also huge there because as you know they're highly educated, but they stay inside the country, and so there's also an issue um, there with uh, uh, ed- with highly educated people who are not able to leave the country and actually utilize their education um, you know inside the the larger picture. so just to clarify those statements. Uh, Let's move on.
1: Oh, hold on! I want to make a comment on this. Since you, please, Eric. Please. Um, First of all, if you look at the leadership that's installed right now, it's it's effectively the same leadership that was uh, in effect prior to the fall. Uh, And so, uh, in addition to that, there's some some other bad guys that have joined uh, the crew. Um, And if you Go back to two cases dealing with women for Kunda and Bibi Aisha and look at the way that justice is administered under a Taliban regime, uh, you know, which and is, is an example. And there's a YouTube video of her death uh, where she uh, challenged someone regarding the Quran and wound up being stoned to death and having a car thrown down on top of her in a ravine uh and uh, it 's on YouTube you can look at it and and bb aisha uh, another case as i as i recall she didn 't want to be married uh, to a forced wedding and uh, I believe they cut her nose off so you know look look at those two cases and you know and th- that 's the history that these women understand um and it wasn 't you know perfect uh while we were there uh you know and, and we we had an opportunity to move the dial a little bit uh but you know if you 're living in their control right now, uh, you know you don't have a choice in, in the way that you did uh, before we left. Uh, and uh, if those are the consequences that you're confronting, this is about surviving right now and not uh, you know pushing for democracy uh, uh, because you will quickly um, you know find yourself uh, on the, on the butt end of, of a uh, noose or a knife or uh, a rock. And so um, you know while I wish they could push back on this regime. Um, I, I, I just don't in, in, in envision that you know, being viable in the foreseeable future. And then if we don't have engagement with the Taliban, we decided to hand the country over to them. We walked away and handed them the keys. So uh, if we uh, you know, ostracize them and, and make them poor, uh, you're gonna increase the criminality element uh, that's already existed and rampant over there and uh, not not have any influence over uh, the decisions, or, or be able to hold them accountable in any way, other than re- redeploying and having to go back in and, and reestablishing a military presence. So I, I I think we we you know we can't have our cake and eat it too, right? If, if, if we we're we we've chosen this path, uh, we chose to hand over the keys, and we chose to leave those people there. So we're, we're going to have to choose to either have a conversation with them or not. And uh, if we if we ignore them. Then, you know, to our own peril, because we're going to get what we, what we sow.
0: And also just to talk about that, when I was in Tehran, like they told us, and of course, if you're an American in Tehran, you have to be escorted by the government, which makes sense. But they told us that if they found drugs during like checkpoints or well, I call them checkpoints, but in civilian world, we call them truck stops. If they found drugs in your truck, they would, they had a crane there and they would immediately hang you at the stop so that everybody who, who, who drove by would see that body dangling there, men and women well, mostly men because women aren't allowed to travel freely in Tehran, like absolutely crazy human rights abuses. So I think that that is, you know, a, definitely a main topic here. Um, I do want to get back to Mr. Scheller though, and Corporal Teu. Um, I just speculations on what we think, uh, what we think's going to transpire uh, as the end result in Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's case. Annie Ella?
2: I think that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is going to uh, end up pleading guilty to some of the charges. And I think that that's consistent with his positions. So he has not, in the videos that I've seen, he has not um, shied away from taking personal responsibility for his comments and so i think he's going to see that as a validation of what he's what he's gone through pleading guilty to things that he thinks that he probably has committed things that he can in good conscience admit to and i think that he's going to end up um leaving the marine corps probably less than fully honorably and have a post-service fight either through the board for correction of naval records or some other type of proceeding to try to um, get back what he thinks that he deserves from the Marine Corps. Eric did you want to take that?
1: Yeah uh, uh, he was not going to stay in the Marine Corps. I think both sides probably agree on that, and uh, you know what that looks like. I, I I couldn't tell you right now because I don't I don't know what was discussed or agreed to. So, um, I, you know, there are a lot of different variables that that could could affect the outcome. Uh, Seventeen years of honorable service. Um, you know, th- this is also the a structural issue in the sense that enlisted people get to you know re-enlist and, and have an honorable discharge every three four years what have you it's an all or nothing with an officer so uh, pretty harsh outcome for 17 years of prior impeccable service to wind up with a less than honorable discharge so I, I find that that's a pretty harsh outcome and hopefully that's going to be considered uh, in the disposition of this case.
0: All right, I think that's fair. And I think that there was a reason why um, I chose the two of you or you chose me, however you want to look at it, to talk about this case. And I think between the three of us, we pretty much made Lieutenant Colonel Scheller's case for him. Um, but and what he truly feels. I do want to ask this question. Does anybody want to take does anybody wanna take on the Trump topic?
1: Well what topic is that?
0: Well, so Annie Ella, did you want to first before – because I, I, I'm getting – Eric's been – so just so everyone knows, Eric's been out of country. Um, he has not been reading the news. So Annie Ella, did you want to take that?
2: By the Trump topic, do you mean Trump's expression of support for Lieutenant Colonel Scheller? But did Trump come out and support – yes, yes. I, I'm not uh, – I'm not very well versed on what Trump has been saying about the case or what his – role in the commentary is. But I think that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller probably needs to keep a low profile right now based on his charges and based on everything that has been transpiring so far. So I think the lower profile he can keep the better. And if I was advising him, I would say do what your lawyers are telling you to do because you pay a lawyer for a reason or you get a lawyer appointed to you for a reason. And that reason is to look out for your best interests.
0: Yeah. And just to clarify for everybody, and um, I know our listeners are tracking this is that um, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller came out saying that he does not support Trumpers um, in a sense saying, I do not support Trump, obviously. And so I feel that it, it has alienated a population of his supporters that otherwise are just in my opinion a representation of the population and we are talking in regards to the 2.1 million dollars that has been raised um on his behalf
1: well you know uh words have consequences right and um you know if if, if you go down a road of of uh you know complaining or 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 vilifying everyone uh, you know then there's a consequence to that right uh, so I mean he's made that choice uh, he's clearly you know made his decision to articulate his opinions in a very public way and he's willing to accept that consequence and and so you know uh, I, I you know we can't help him because he's made that decision himself right so um, you know, there's no help to be had. It's it's his his opinion. It's his integrity. It's it's his right to say you know whatever he wants to say. Now, as as been said a number of times, there are consequences to you know things that you do, and and you know they may, he may he may be suffering from those as a result. So uh, that goes into judgment, right? Whether you can say something or whether you should say something are two different things. So you know maybe you know and hopefully he's reflecting upon that a little bit because it will frustrate his ability to have a clear message uh, conveyed um, you know but uh, that's not for us to to determine that's that's for him and as as was said his counsel to uh, resolve I think I
0: that will was
2: say,
0: well- Oh please Amyla.
2: I will say this. The Marine Corps does not care how many supporters you have. The Marine Corps system of justice is going to move along along its path, regardless of how many supporters he does or does not have. Because as we've seen in cases up until this point, they're, the Marine Corps is not going to change their decision based on public support or lack of public support. They're going to make their decision based on what they think the decision needs to be
1: right I I think the point is that you know he has a life after the Marine Corps that he's going to be confronting pretty soon and um you know if you if you burn all of the bridges before you get out you know that that uh affects his ability to make a living you know moving forward so uh I I think the the larger point here is that you know maybe He should be careful about, you know, burning every bridge, uh, you know, lest he he suffer the consequences of being uh, very restricted in his ability to gain employment and, and make a living for his family moving forward.
0: Well said, but I also think there's a chance for reconciliation with uh, our former president. I'll just throw that out there. Um, But I do want to, I do agree with you both. Um, I think that there's going to be a lack of retirement um, here. I think there's going to be, there is going to be VA benefits. This is just my speculation, Lindsay Rowan's speculation. Um, I do think there's going to be issues with um, the potential use of his GI bill for himself and his children. If he does not get the discharge that he needs, um another point I want to bring up and I and Anya we talked about this the other night on a conversation. Can you talk to me about Arlington and the different discharge statuses that you have to be buried there and the army versus the VA owning it?
2: I'd have to re- remind myself of the dis- the exact technicalities of the discharge statuses, but the the overarching issue is that Arlington is not a VA cemetery. It is run by the Department of the Army. And so it operates under its own rules. And what, when people look on, you know, va.gov to say, can I have a, can I be buried in a VA cemetery? That's not automatically true for being buried in Arlington. And if you have less than a fully honorable discharge, there would have to be special exceptions made for you to be buried in Arlington. It's a lengthy process under the best of circumstances. If you make it more complicated with things like less than fully honorable discharges, there's a very real and good chance that you will not be buried in Arlington, particularly because Arlington is basically getting full and there's legislation in congress right now about what to do about it getting full and where to move it to or not move it to or what criteria to allow moving forward in the future so i wouldn't see somebody with a less than fully honorable discharge getting accepted into arlington for burial
0: And I think that's a really important point to look at. And I was talking, I was talking to Lieutenant Colonel Scheller about this the other day. I was like, can you imagine in like 40 years when your sons go to bury you in Arlington that you're not allowed to be buried there because you don't have the discharge? And we understand that he can upgrade that discharge over time, but how disappointing that the one man that stood up for our country during Afghanistan couldn't be buried in Arlington. And I just, I find that very disturbing.
1: Uh, just to, to your point about the retirement, he's not retirement eligible because he doesn't have 20 years, so that's not even on the table.
0: Right, uh, Eric, but right, Eric, but he can go to a reserve unit somewhere and he could ride it out for three years, and then he can get his full retirement.
1: Well, okay, the, the, the just from the Marine Corps side of the house, uh, you know, the Marine Corps I think properly so says that you know you don't, this is not you're not entitled to another day in the Marine Corps. You have to earn that every day. And so if the Marine Corps is determined that he has not earned his right to do that, that he's not going to be given the opportunity to do so. And so, so that's a very uh, hard line that, that, that we've held for, you know, our entire history. And, you know, you have to earn the title of, of a Marine. You just, you're not going to be given that. And just because you served, you know, 17 years honorably doesn't mean that you're just going to be given, you know, three years to sort of sit in a... In a, in a you know, a closet and count basketball. So I, I just, that's not a realistic outcome here. Uh, and I, I just don't see that happening.
0: Well, which goes back to my point of why he needs an honorable discharge so that he's, he has these options. And I think that's like sort of the real point here is that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller wants an honorable discharge. He needs an honorable discharge. And I think he, I think he deserved it. Just Lindsey Rowland's thoughts. Um, To move on, I do because we're running out of time. We're not running out of time. I just like to keep podcasts, um, you know, under like an hour and we're already at an hour and a half. So I would like to do final thoughts on this. Um, I do want to, but I I do want to talk one more thing. I want to talk about the soldier that went to the Trump rally, who was not in uniform, who Trump brought up. This is the baby from Afghanistan. He was one of the Marine Corps soldiers that was involved in, in the baby that came over the fence. So a former, our former president, my former president, um, Mr. Trump, invited him to a Trump rally about two weeks ago, um, just giving everyone background more for my audience, um, and he came up on stage, he said nothing, nothing political, he was wearing civilian clothes, so he's in, he's in full regulation because he said nothing political. So then the media came out with Task and Purpose, who if you if you know anything about what I've been posting, I'm pissed at Task and Purpose right now. So they they put out an article about how he was going to receive a reprimand or UCMJ or, you know, whatever, um, some sort of like reprimand from his leadership. And then immediately after that, almost within like 24 hours, the commandant of the Marine Corps came out and said that he was in full regulation, which he was. But I think it was because Lieutenant Colonel Scheller was sitting in jail and he was trying to squash it before that became another issue of First Amendment rights. Does anybody want to take that one?
1: Well, here's the thing, you know, uh, we'll go back to the beginning of, you know, why people are in the military service Uh, and there's a rule that applies. and, And that rule is that, no, you're not entitled you don't have a right to join the military. Um, we discriminate against all sorts of people, short people, you know, tall people. You know, they're, they're just, there's a whole lot of discrimination that goes into the recruiting process, you know, and, um, you know, mental health, diseases, etc. So, and there, there are reasons for that because it's a lethality issue. Uh, that's why orders are important because if everybody's on their own program, we can't fight a fight, uh, we can't win a war. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there are limitations placed on our service for most of them for good reason. Um, you know, my, my main umbrage in this whole scenario is, is the, the felony level versus the administrative level. So, you know, to the point, you know, this, the, you know that uh, people can be told how to do things uh, within, you know, there's a reason why we don't want people in uniform uh, politicizing things. It's because... We, you know, we've learned a lesson, I hope, in, in history that when the military becomes a political tool, uh, then it's delegitimized and we, we could have a problem, right? And and, and so I, I do think that those rules are there for a good reason, uh, for both sides or all sides. And, uh, you know, we need to be careful about that, whether the commandant did that or didn't do it, whatever, I, you know, I'm, I can't get into you know that I have no idea, but you know it sounds like the young man followed the rules, uh, and uh, and and good for him, uh, and uh, he's going to be okay. And and but I do think the rules are there for an important reason, uh, you know, uh, because we have to keep the the military uh, apolitical, or, or we're going to have an even bigger problem in this country than we already do.
2: Daniela, I agree about the need to keep the military apolitical, and that's the root of these ethics requirements and ethics rules because they serve a very important purpose. So I think that if there was any concern in this Marine's mind when Trump invited him to the rally that he should have checked with his command and then he would have had sort of what we call a a safe harbor that I checked with the designated ethics official in my command. She said that this did not violate any ethics rules. Therefore I went and I'm in a safe harbor of not having violated any of the ethics regulations. So in a circumstance like that, where a Marine has knows that he's been invited, I would say you need to make sure to check and Then you won't have to deal with this on the back end of potential discipline or allegations of misconduct, because that's the only thing that will be certain to protect you.
0: So service members, take a listen to what they both said, because make sure that if you do want to go to a rally, make sure you're doing it correctly, because that is absolutely your right to go to a rally in civilian clothes. But make sure you do it correctly so you don't get in trouble. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, Let's do final thoughts. Eric, final thoughts?
1: Well, I think the last point is the most important point. um, And that is there is a way to do things. And if you work within the law, uh, you will protect yourself, your family and your future. And if you give them, you know, what the Marine Corps would like to say, an Irish pennant, um, you know, exposed arm, broken arm, uh, you know, there are going to be severe consequences out there. And I'd rather you, uh, you know, measure twice, cut once before you open your mouth or, or do something. Then uh, get yourself in trouble, and then try to dig your way out. That's not where you want to be. Um, you know, this is America. Uh, we have free speech for a reason. It's important, and uh, that's how we hold people accountable. That's why media is an important, the fourth arm of the government. Uh, it was ingrained in, uh, into our, our constitutional fabric. So uh, you know, freedom of, of, of opinion is is critical to our democracy. We have to hold everyone accountable in that way, and it's something we should we should cherish. Uh, and protect in the fiercest way, um, you know, moving forward. So, you know, as it relates to those things, um, you know, we, we really have to defend that at every level. Uh, and as it relates to the mental health issues that uh, we touched upon briefly, uh, almost done, uh, you know, we really, as a country, have to get ourselves squared away on that issue because there are a lot of people suffering out there in, very, in varying ways uh, of depression Etc. And and we really need to figure out how we can better uh, manage that uh, because it's it's something that's going to get worse not better over time, especially with those long-standing wars and and and, and everything else that's been happening. Um, and then and then to the Afghan people that sacrifice themselves to to um, you know be on the American team and, and with some hope and promise of the shining city that Reagan spoke of, you know, to come here and 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 give their family a future. Um, you know, we're there, I'm not alone. There are other people that are trying to, to help you and, you know, just hold on the best you can, uh, because we're coming.
2: Great message. Anyala. you're up. That was a great message, Eric. The, what I would want to leave people with is the understanding that people like Lieutenant Colonel Scheller are needed in the military, we need, and when I say that, I say we need people who are passionate. We need people who care. We need people who are brave. We need people who are strong. That's what our military needs. That's what the Marine Corps needs. And although there is dispute about how Lieutenant Colonel Scheller delivered his message and the words that he chose, the passion and the desire to improve Everybody's circumstance was very clear in in his message. It's hard to watch his videos and not almost feel the emotion that he's feeling. He's so intense. And sometimes that intensity translates into saying things that, you know, you didn't script and you didn't mean to say it that way. And maybe you use different words than you should have used But the passion is clear, and I don't want people to think that we don't want passionate and emphatic people and brave people in the Marine Corps because that's what makes us the greatest fighting force in the world is because we have these brave, courageous, strong, passionate people who care, and that's fantastic. I just want to make sure that people also know that— you got to look out for yourself in those circumstances. And sometimes you got to admit when you made a mistake. Sometimes there are several times in every long military career, I've been in the Marine Corps for 21 years. And almost everybody that I know at this stage of my career has been in for a majority of their adult life. Mistakes are going to be made, you're going to say things you don't mean, you're going to have days that aren't your best days and there are ways to recover from that and be honest, be true, accept responsibility, make sure that you're the, you're living the example that you want others to see. So I think that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller shows a lot of those, a lot of those principles and a lot of those qualities. And for that, I really admire the fact that he is that kind of person and that we have those kind of people in the Marine Corps. So I'm not trying, I, I will not say that Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is all bad. He has great qualities, but at some point, you know, he, he might have to own up to some potential UCMJ violations in the process. And sometimes that happens.
0: And I also think it's important too, that he, he just owns up to it because he is guilty of those actual charges, but his message was, his message was on point. So so stand in front of the judge and say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Got it. Check. And then move on with your life, because you know why? He's got a powerful message and the American people are watching. And that's just my opinion. Um, I do want to say, though, one thing, uh, one of the reasons why I did have you guys both on this podcast is because I think it's really important that civilians understand this, because I think for so long, especially after 9-11, there was a huge divide between military and uh, civilian because you used to be able to drive on post to civilians, but then after 9/11 it got locked down. And so I think there's a need for for uh, the average American to understand the military better. and I think this is a really important time to do that. So I appreciate you using you know civilian like terms and because if, if they don't understand the Lieutenant Colonel Scheller case, then they can't understand how his First Amendment right is violated, how he could be incarcerated without due process. They don't understand those things. And we do because we know UCMJ and we know the, 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 the system. Um, so I just want to thank both of you for helping me make people aware that maybe don't understand and have a better understanding of what's going on. So thank you. And all right, I will see you guys later. Bye.
2: Thanks, Lindsay. Have a good
1: night.